Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fizzo, the cycling podcast with myself, Angus Morton, and sporting legend Bobby Zulik. Talk all things professional cycling. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing well, Gus. Obviously, a little bit better than you. You sound a little uh, crook there still. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just going to say, I apologize. We had intended to do a recap of the race of the Falling Leaves and Paris Tours, your Lombardia and Paris Tours, but I, I've come down with the flu, and, um, and so I've been bedridden for the last couple of days, but I'm back on my feet now for what is a really good episode, the 2020 Tour de France route was announced earlier this week. As usual, you know, everyone kind of has a bit of a kerfuffle and then the dust settles and we thought, well, now the dust has settled, it's probably time we should uh, we should give our two cents worth. Before we start, let's just hear from our sponsors. Fizzo is made possible with the support of Saris, a manufacturer of bike accessories committed to making their products in Madison, Wisconsin, United States. Makers of car racks, bike infrastructure, and bike trainers, Saris Origins are firmly rooted in an unwavering dedication to the bicycle. And, more importantly, the quest to set cyclists free to get in touch with the world around them. Whether that be to or from work, in a virtual environment, or wherever the compass may lead, Saris range of products have freed millions to experience the power of the bike and to ride without limits. To learn more, visit saris.com. Sounds good. Let's get it on. So, Bobby, big announcement, I guess, this week. Yeah, you know, the usual, everyone piles into the theatre, they uh, sit down, they watch the Tour de France presentation, and then they're all immediately kind of bombarded by the media um, requesting their thoughts on it, um, which I always find quite funny because I don't know how you would necessarily, like, kind of go through, like, a pretty rapid presentation, then you're expected to be able to... to accurately comment on how you think the race is going to be but there was one thing that was pretty notable this year at that presentation which was apparent quite quickly and that was that this is a very different race to what we've seen in the past and it's sort of being dubbed the millennial tour de france on on first glance would you agree with that oh 100 percent 100 percent it's as far from old school parkour uh, than i've than i've ever seen I'm sure guys like Eddie Merckx are just sitting there scratching their head going, you know, what's this all about? It's totally different. But you remember that, that survey that the UCI kind of sent out to people asking what they wanted to see, how they wanted to see it, what changes would they make? And they were listening, uh, definitely listening. But yeah, to be able to make that decision and everything gets leaked, right? There's always rumors mm. because all of a sudden a block of hotel rooms get bought up in a town. And then that person has a journalist friend that says, oh, the Tour de France must be coming here on this date. And they kind of, you know, connect the dots and say, oh, they're going to do this stage. And then, you know, they do a real fancy presentation there. And then all of a sudden, you know, a microphone is thrown in your face and you have to kind of you know, do the, the dog and pony show and give your opinion. And I'd have to say that looking at it a little bit deeper, it, it's it's going to be an interesting race, like something like we've never seen before. But after how exciting this last Tour de France was in this last season, in you know, period, this is the way of cycling, you know, get that viewership, keep that viewership. Let's let's be excited. Let's, you know, create these characters and yeah, I'm really looking forward to the 2020 edition. It is. It's going to be an exciting race. But I thought that before we get into the real Tour de France, seeing as, you know, the race has kind of decided it's going to sh- shift things up uh, a little bit, I wanted to give you what I think uh, an actual radical Tour de France for millennials would look like. 
and then I want to ask you what you what you if you if you were to to be uh, producing the Tour de France for 2020, how would you make the route look? So I'm going to give you mine first. Mine is going to be uh, Tour de France. There's no mountaintop finishes. Instead of mountaintop finishes, it's all like classic style, hilly, cobbled, gravel stages. Uh, and it's basically a, a race that would be won by by sprinters, by small bunch sprints. Um, and it's I think that it's time to give... Uh, the sprinters a chance to win the yellow jersey <laughs> instead of instead of climbers. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, I'm sorry, I I, I just <laughs> need a moment for a second there. So you you want the Tour de France to be contested mainly on gravel bikes and short sprints where time bonuses decide the podium of the Tour de France. Absolutely, I think that like I think it should be like there's a few kind of key classic style stages. Um, that that pay homage to those races, and uh, and yeah, and then and then we have no major mountain stages at all. So it would probably be decided ultimately by by time bonuses uh, amongst sort of either probably maybe not like outright sprinters, but certainly uh, certainly the kind of like classics guys, you know, small group sprints. I, I, why, like, why not? Why don't they get to win the Tour de France? Hey, uh, you know what? You got a point. You got a point. Those guys suffer just as much. At, what is this? The hundred and some odd edition of the Tour de France, and they've never had a chance to go for the yellow jersey. You're on to something, yeah, why Gus. Not? Why not? Why not? Mine. Flip it on its head. Flip it on its head. How was yours? Yeah, mine would be, I'm sorry. I'm old. Um, I <laughs> always like starting with a prologue. I think that's super, super um, exciting. And it kind of sets yeah. sets the the tone for the race. You know, you all of a sudden, instantly have some organization in the bunch. Then I would go for one or two sprint stages. Um, you know, give those sprinters, you know, the, those fresh sprinters, you know, their 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 day in the sun. And then for me, team time trial, like fourth or fifth day, have a nice long team time trial. I'm not talking like a 28k or 18k. <laughs> I'm talking like a good hour to an hour and 20 minutes of riding at, you know, 55K an hour. Um, then maybe another flat stage, you know, get that out of the legs a little bit and then start with some uh, shorter mountain stages. And that's that's what I do agree with, with what they're doing here is yep. they are shortening those stages. Um, they make them more exciting, right? There's there's more on the line. Everyone's kind of motivated. You know, if it's, if it's a 240K mountain stage, I mean come on, like this sport is hard enough. Um, and in the mm. month of July, not many people besides you and me have time to sit and actually watch this race from kilometer zero. Then maybe a little bit of the, the rolling up and hill, up and down kind of b- breakaway stuff. But then I would go into a block of like real mountaintop finishes, like the marquee names. And I understand the classics, you know, those locations, Alpe d'Huez, Tourmalet, Luzardi Den, you know, Super Bagnier, you know, you can go on and on. These are, are very popular areas, right? And mm-hmm. what I noticed this year with, I, I barely recognized starts and finishes of almost all these stages. So it's like the rest of France is going, hey, you guys are already well known. You guys are popular. We're going to pay to mm-hmm. have a start or a finish in, in our area or in, in our town. So it, it's quite interesting. And then I do like having an individual time trial at the end. I'm not saying, um, 
you know, the penultimate day. But I grew up watching Greg LeMond win that final time trial on the Champs-Élysées, and that's just ingrained in me. Like, you know what? It's not over till it's over. You think you're the best? Prove it. And on that day, Greg LeMond was able to overcome a 50-second deficit over a guy that he thought he, that was basically probably drinking champagne the night before. So I like having that kind of decisive stage saying, hey, um, I'm the strongest, and on the 20th day of 21 days, you know, I, I proved it. And then, of course, you always have to finish on the Champs-Élysées with a, a, a sprint day for the sprinters, or else no one would ever, no sprinter would ever finish the Tour de France. So I'm definitely exactly. more old school. I do not, I'm not against the, the pavé, and... Okay, I'm not racing anymore, so I can actually say this. It's yeah, my opinion now. Sure, not against exactly. the pavé, not against the gravel, but uh, because that's the way the sport is going. I mean, I fought gravel for years and years and years, and now I absolutely dig it. But I do see the logistical issues uh, from time to time. And, you know, this year we have a little bit of gravel, and I'd almost rather have no gravel than just 1.8 kilometers of gravel. Yeah, I was going to say, this, you can't really call that gravel. No, no. <laughs> like incidental. No. But yeah, they're, they're, they're flipping the tour there on its go. head. There's no doubt about it. And, um, you know, for a country famous for art, I just want to make one comment about the overall <laughs> map. You know, they throw that map up there, and usually it's like a clockwise circle, counterclockwise circle. When I saw what the map looked like of all the stages this year, I, I, it was like, you know, do we need like Taylor Finney to, or, or TJ Eisenhart, somebody like that <laughs> to like design a better looking Tour de France? Because it just looked like a bunch of scribbles. I'm like, wait a second, are we going this way? Or are we going that way? And they kind of left out the whole north, northern part of France. It's more like the, the tour of southern France this year. Totally. I would agree with you. It's like a Mr. Squiggle painting. I don't know if you guys have if you guys in the US have Mr. Squiggle, but we used to have this kids program where the the kind of Mr. Squiggle, the character would draw a bunch of like seemingly uh, incongruous lines on a page and then he would turn the page upside down and it would turn into this beautiful painting. When I first looked at this route, I thought, oh, I'm looking at it the wrong way. So I actually turned my computer upside down, like the full desktop, lifted the desktop off, flipped it upside down and it still looked ridiculous. So... Yeah, you can't really call it. You can't really call it a tour of France uh, when you only encompass the bottom half, and none of the stages link together. It's more like the transfer stage around France. Oh, that's another thing we haven't looked at, right? Like, you know, all those transfers. Like, dude, there's so many transfers. And, yeah, and starting, you know, starting so early, like you got to wonder, like, what the roads are going to be like, you know, that time of year, and. You know, planes yeah, planes true. are great for the riders, but the staff still has to get to those places, you know? Exactly. Let's dive into to the route. But before we do, you highlighted something before the show, Bobby, and that was La Course, the inclusion or the, you know, this kind of the, the female race. But it's not, it's not adequate, is it? I don't believe so. I, I'm a little bit disappointed. I mean, they are bringing back La Course. But after the Vuelta did, uh, what, a two-day, three-stage race for the women, I was actually mm -hmm. expecting much, much more. And, you know, I can have my opinions, but then, you know, I read on Velo News that the world champion, Anna Van Vluten, says this is a step back. It, I think she's right. Like, wait a second. We get one day, and it's on the Champs-Élysées, and you guys haven't even decided if it's going to 
like what date it's going to be on. Yeah. And with the Olympics coming up, like right after the end of the tour, you know, how's that going to work? The guys have a lot of logistical issues and scheduling issues to deal with when they finish the tour. And then six days later, they're at the Olympics and they have to travel all the way to Japan. But I don't know. I just felt a little gypped. Uh, that that they didn't get a little bit more. I thought that the Vuelta doing it would, you know, preempt the Tour de France, you know, the biggest race organization in the world, to give a little bit more. But when the world champion says it's now nothing more than a criterium on cobbles, exactly. And I've ridden around that. It's so hard to get away on that circuit. I mean, I I could see like tactically, right? You're like okay, I'm not going to attack from the beginning. I'm going to stay in the group. But is it just mm. going to be one big amoeba for you know the first couple laps and then only the action right at the end? I don't think that's that justifies you know improving women's racing to, to, to where it should be. Exactly. It feels like uh, it was just like a concession. Um, and the Tour de France has just been like, well, we've had all this pressure. Look, you know, we'll give them, we'll, we'll, we'll give women's racing a day. And you're like, it's ridiculous. Like it's a, it's you know it's literally like a 20th of what the men get and yeah i feel like there definitely needs to be some pushback from 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 everybody about this because there's no you know like the progress has been made in the last few years with female cycling um and it's almost like the the tour de france is like oh hey like we're back in 2010 or we're back in fucking 2000 um so yeah, that is disappointing. That is disappointing to see. But hopefully there will be uh, some kickback and next year we'll see a more substantial race um, on the calendar. Let's talk about the route this year. Eight mountain stages, uh, one time trial, which finishes up a mountain. We've got four hilly stages, eight flat stages, um, some of which run along coastlines and, and bits and pieces. Uh, 29 categorized climbs. 21 stages, obviously, uh, and 3,470 kilometers of racing. Bobby, what do you think? We definitely have to put hilly stages in air quotes and flat stages in air quotes. Because, okay, as we know, they don't really give out the final book until, what, a week before the Tour de France and everyone's like scrambling around trying to come up with the logistical things. Um, But of the few profiles, of a majority of the profiles that I've looked at already, uh, when it says flat, you're like thinking it's pancake flat. And then, no, there's some climbs in there. So, you know, the, mm. the Tour de France is is always going to be difficult. But let me just go back to where we're starting. We're starting in Nice. And that's yeah. where I based myself for 17 years. And I always, I remember asking Prudhomme, I remember asking LeBlanc, like, why can't we start the Tour de France in Nice. Why can't we have a stage in the Tour de France in, in Nice? The year after I retired, they had the prologue in Monaco, which was pretty pretty <laughs> badass, I must say. That prologue was awesome. Fabian Conchalera on a yeah. brand new bike that the mechanic spent all night putting together the night before, just you know, qualmed everybody. And but their response to me was like, Bobby, we we can't have we can't be on the Cote d'Azur during the month of July, like. You know, that's when, you know, the French are at the beach and then you definitely can't do it, you know, in, in, in August because that's when all the Italians are down in Nice. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny now that they're moving the Tour de France a week earlier for the Olympics, that they're actually starting the Tour de France in June. So maybe they're like, oh, June's fine. Like we, we have plenty of, uh, no, no one in France is on vacation down there yet, but I can guarantee spending that much time in Nice that time of year 
holy cow, that's going to be a logistical nightmare. I mean, that many people, that many teams, that many buses, and, you know, they're going to be staying all over the place. So it's it's not going to be an easy start. But I like the idea of it starting on the Cote d'Azur. I think that's super cool. You know, those those opening stages around Nice are going to be great. I don't think they're going to be uber selective. Um, they do do some big climbing on, on stage two, that's for sure. But that's stage number one, going up to Aspremont and then down to Caros and doing that loop around Nice. Man, that I've got a road. That road probably has a groove on it from me riding up that so many times. And it just, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that on TV. Who knows? I may be there running a, a bike camp or commentating. Who knows what? But I want to be there for that because I waited my mm. entire career. And um, this one basically passes by my old house. So... Um, I think it's going to be, you know, super exciting, but there are going to be some, some, uh, issues with people like not getting where they want to getting in, getting in and out. out. Yeah. And it's not a straightforward start to the Tour de France. We have on stage, you know, as early as stage two, we have quite a big climb and then we have stage four first mountaintop finish that like that's early, you know, like the highest climb they've crossed this early in the tour. And do you think they're sort of taking, you know, we watched a, and we followed a very exciting Vuelta and there's been some some comparisons drawn with the Vuelta route of past and then the style of this year's Tour de France. Like, let's talk about stage four. It's 157 Ks, finishes up 1,825 meters, finishes up 7.1 kilometer climb, 6.7% average gradient. The Ossiers Mariette is the name, I guess. Uh, first time the climb's been in the race for 31 years. What I want to know, Bobby, is like stage four, first mountaintop finish, and then we have the second, the penultimate day is a time trial with a mountain finish. Does that, like those two stages are, uh, you know, weeks apart. Yeah. Conditioning, pre- preparation for the tour, does that change things? Are we going to see guys maybe less, like a little underdone at the start, hoping to make up time later on? Or yeah, like how does that change things from an athlete performance perspective well i think you you're gonna one way or another you could get caught out either way if you come in expecting Mm -hmm. those stages to be a little bit easier and they're super decisive and those gaps are made you're going to be sitting there you know going for stages the rest of the time but no i think it's going to take a uber specific phase plan because you're going to have to go in ready not maybe not a hundred percent but damn close to it and then Man, I don't see the guy who wins the fourth stage winning the 20th stage. Um, it, no. I, I don't think there's going to be that wire-to-wire sort of guy that can do that. You, you never know, but, man, it's, it's, that's, that's going to be the question on, on every trainer's lips this entire winter is how do we stack the season? And then with everything moved earlier a week and then the Olympics you know, right after, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that want to do the Tour Olympic double. But um, how effective are they going to be is the question. So, I mean, obviously, you're, the racers make the race, right? Like we can I, – yeah. I got into an argument one time with, uh, with one of my old bosses. He's like, Bobby, why are we here? And I'm like, we're here because of the, ri- the riders. He goes, no, 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 no. They're here because of us. And, and I, I disagreed, and we had a, you know, a big toss-up. And it's kind of the same thing here, like – the riders are going to make this race, right? As hard or yep. as easy as the beginning of the race, the middle of the race, or the end of the race, it all f- kind of falls on, on the riders. 
And we know that the Tour de France is the biggest race of the year. So there's going to be guys lighting it up every single day. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a flip-flop, up and down, lose time, gain time. And it's not going to be that kind of controlled race that we've seen in the past. So I think you have to come in good and obviously finish good. But, you know, I don't see the consistency that (laughs) that we've seen in the past, for sure. Because there's just too many variables thrown in here. And that's it. Like on paper, you know, and again, like with the... Knowing, knowing, like watching, watching the race this year, which is arguably one of the most exciting Tour de France's, you know, ever. Um, the rise of the hilly stage and the opportunists, you know, a la Alaphilippe, you know, and then probably motivated by Alaphilippe, Apino, um, they were aggressive on stages that weren't traditionally decisive. Um, and we saw, you know, there was a there was a brief moment there where Alaphilippe might have won the Tour de France. And so, do you see? Um, I guess, like, do you see those stages in that first week playing a big part? I, I think they'll play a big part in that first week, but I don't know if they're going to be that uber decisive compared to that last mm-hmm. week because the way I see it, I see that last week kind of stacked with the real stuff. So if if I was training a potential Tour de France winner, I'd be like, I'd come in a little undercooked and say, hey, man, you may take some on the chops here. But don't lose the morale because we have, you know, two more weeks to go. But that last week is where you have to be good. And ultimately, you know, that's where the race is won and lost, right? Especially with having that time trial at the end. So, um, exactly. you know, this this is a totally different course. Um, I don't think it's ever been done like this. And we'll just have to wait and see. But let's face it, like these guys, you know, the, these guys are the, the best guys are the best guys for a reason. Not only are they uber talented, but they got great teams. They got great communication. They got great logistical support. And I don't believe we're going to see anybody out of that usual suspect favorites, you know, pulling off some massive coup in the first week and then able to hold on in the second and third week. And what stages then uh, are you, have you kind of like, if we look at the second week and then obviously the third week, where else do you see this race being made? Like I said, you know, we've just had a little bit of time to look through this, but one of the stages that I find mm. super interesting coming off rest day number one is the stage that starts on an island and finishes mm. on an island. There's got to be, like, I haven't seen the parkour. I don't think I've ever been, you know, around that area, at least very, very much. But that, that sounds like it's a minefield just waiting to happen because if you're starting on an island and then finishing on a different island, there's got to be some win and you're on the coast, you know, the Atlantic coast that, that could be interesting. But then again, you know, when everyone's prepared for that sort of thing, uh, not much happens. Also stage 14 mountaintop finish a little bit longer. It's not over 200 K. I think it's 191. That that'll be super, super interesting, but like they don't spend that much time, you know, at those, you know, with those back-to-back mountain stages. But yeah, that that 14th and 15th stage, I think, could be, you know, setting up, you know, setting the table for who's going to win in that final final week. Yeah, can we just pause there? Sorry, I just have to run and do something really quick. There's been a bit of a situation downstairs. Can I just, one second? Yeah. So lately, been wondering Place when I'm gone, you'll need love to 
light the shadows on your feet. Sorry about that, guys. Um, okay, let's get going. My bad. Okay, let's just go on to the third week then. We have some big climbing days. We have a individual time trial, 36 kilometers long, finishes with a six kilometer climb. Which days here do you think are going to be decisive? We go through Massive Centrale, the Vosges. Yeah, th- those are nasty stages, no doubt. So, you know, those three or four stages prior to the second rest day. And then, you know, we touched on this in the Tour de France coverage this year. Um, having a mountaintop finish the day after a rest day is always quite tricky, right? Brutal. So, you know, you have three or four days coming into the rest day, a rest day, and then two mountaintop finishes and some hard mountain stages there in the in the last week. So, man, I, I like I said before, I think the last week is really going to be the meat and potatoes of the race. Th- that being said, you never know what's going to happen, mm. right? But yeah, the, the one thing everyone's talking about is that time trial on the penultimate day up to La Planche de La Belle Fille. And you know, it's, yep. it's kind of interesting that, you know, they had that in the tour this year and normally they kind of give some other places, um, you know, opportunity to, to showcase their okay. area. And here it is again. And it was an exciting stage, but like, man, the 20th stage of the tour de France. And this is the first time you touch your time trial bike. And I do believe like mm. for sure guys are going to have to, everyone's going to have to do a bike change. Because you have, what, 20-some-odd kilometers on the flat-to-rolling yeah, stuff? Yeah, like 29K flat. Flat-to-rolling, you know, sort of sort of parkour. And then you have yep. the, the climb that we know very well from this year. And not only, you know, to the top of the pavement, but they do the dirt as well. They go all the way up to the top. So, man, are these guys going to be totally on their knees by then? Or is this going to be one of those time trials which we're used to seeing where that, that strongest guy comes out? Is it is this purely a mountain TT? Like obviously that the final climb is going to be quite decisive, but is it possible for someone who's potentially like not as explosive? I'm thinking like say for example like a Chris Froome if he's not on his absolute A game climbing, but obviously he's he's a devastating time trialist. Would he be able to put himself in a position where he could make up time in that first 29 Ks and then sort of hold on to enough of that time to then win at the finish, or is is a time trial different? Uh, this this sort of time trial, this sort of you know extreme uphill time trial at the end, you know what six six kilometers uphill with dirt, mm-hmm. you have what you have in that final six k. Like you're not just taking it easy yep. in the twenty nine k prior to that, and you know no. once you get on that climb and hopefully do a successful bike change, you have what you have. But like it being the twentieth day. And then having to deal with a bike change and then another 6K climb with, with some gravel at the end. No, I, I don't see any... It, it's going to be the strongest rider after 20 days. And it's not going to necessarily be a climber. Like everyone says that, oh, they did this you know, so that the French can win the, the Tour de France. That uh, Pinot or, or Bardet mm. can win. But I'm sorry, if you are capable of winning on this day then then good on you but you're going to have to yeah. you're going to have to get through everything up until then that may kind of even out the scales a little bit so even though they mentioned that this is uh Pinot's uh you know hometown basically he knows that climb like the back of his hand he's still going to have to put up the the waddies on that day and 
you know, I don't, I don't <laughs> agree with the the fact that you know they're trying to make it towards a you know a French winner. You know, just because the guy lives in the hometown that they're finishing up in the final time trial doesn't necessarily mean that that he's going to win. I want to also bring uh, stage seventeen. I wanted to just make a note of this stage as well. Yeah, uh, because I saw Prudhomme had said that this is like the Queen stage, right? It's 168 k's from Grenoble to Maribel Col de la Lose. That that Col de la Lose, I think it's the first time it's in the tour. Uh, it's above 2,000 meters altitude. They raced on it. Um, we 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 spoke about this um, just recently. They raced up this climb during the Lavinia this year. It's 20. They and they just did a mass start like time trial. Uh, 23.1 kilometers. It's 7.8 percent but it's continuously going up and down. There's some flat sections and stuff like that. That's um, what's interesting. I think another sorry, interesting thing about this stage too is it's, the, it's they've grouped both the two days that go, the, the two climbs that go over 2000 meters are both on this one day. Um, so do you think that's going to like all the altitude being grouped on one day? For example, a guy like Bernal obviously is exceptional at altitude. We saw him really excel this year when the roads went above 2,000 metres, the same with a guy like Quintana, right? We saw his 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 uh, two really good days at the Tour were both at high altitude. Do you think that's going to change the race a lot by just putting that on one day um, and not kind of having moments throughout the race where you really get up into that high, rarefied air? Yeah, I would, I would point to that being more of a trying not to let Bernal walk away with this thing than... Mm than Pino having that time trial in his hometown at the end. Because, yeah, yeah you, you're you. absolutely right. We saw, and we kind of got gypped from some of the damage that he could have <laughs> done due to the weather in, in, in we the did. Tour de France this year. You know, it could have been him winning by many, many, many more minutes than he actually did. But bottom line is you're going to have to navigate a minefield from day one. And also be good at altitude. Also be good in, in the final time trial. And for me, you know, thinking about like team selection or, or yep. favorites, if you would, man, we know that Ineos is stacked, right? We got Bernal, we got G. Thomas, and hopefully Chris Froome. And Froome, yep. sorry. And um, for, I think that you need to come with plan A, plan B, plan C, and if you have the possibility, even plan D. And the only other team I see that has that is now with Demolin joining Jumbo Visma. You got Rolic, Demolin, and Kreuzweig, mm -hmm. right? So, yep. man, bring all your big boys because you never know what what's going to blow up in in your face uh, throughout this, this race. You know, so that's where you come to it is like, are you going to put everybody – all your eggs in one basket. I think Ineos, would be Ineos definitely will because they, they've shown that they've done that in the past. But when, when I look at this parkour and that time trial and then taking into account the Olympics starting only six days later, I wonder how many of these like favorites that we, we've grown to know and love are going to do the Giro, train, and then go and peak again for, for, for the Olympics. Because, man, I don't believe that a guy that is fighting for the podium or even top five in the tour will be able to recover from that, travel all the way across, you know, to Asia yeah. and, yeah. and, and be, be good there as well. So, man, yeah. there's so many things to think about outside of these 21 days 
it'll be quite interesting to see who we even have on the start line. And that's it. It's such a brutal race from the gun that everyone's got like, obviously everyone's going to be exhausted. You know, when everyone's exhausted, more mistakes are made. So there's more accidents, that sort of, that sort of stuff. So you're thinking that like, cause I was, that's one of the, the, the kind of questions I had for you was the Rodgelik, DeMullen, Kreiswick situation. And I guess too, like over at Ineos, you know, now Bernal's obviously like they've won the Tour de France the last three years in a row with three different riders. Um, so they're going to have three good riders. I'm yeah. I was just intrigued to see if you, if you think that'll if if you think that'll balance. But it sounds as though you think that that's potentially the way to go. I think it's the way to go if you have proper communication and proper leadership. And I'm talking leadership from the GM position down. And we know that that Ineos has that. And we're you know Jumbo Visma has have created another super team. And is mm. are is their communication and their leadership as solid as their individual riders. That's what we're going to have to wait and see. Because remember, you know, this year with Movistar, they had, you know, Quintana, um, Valverde, and um, why am I forgetting uh, the guy? (laughs) I'm also blank. I'm also drinking. Landa, Landa, Landa. Uh, Landa, Landa. Landa. (laughs) And you saw that they were great individuals. Their communication was crap. Their leadership was questionable. And with a team that was the strongest on paper, they came away with a big old goose egg as far as, you know, the, the podium went. So I think it's got to be, you got to structure your team around having different options because with this many variables thrown in there, you, you can't just sit there and ride on the front like, like Sky used to do back when Bradley Wiggins and Chris Frome was winning. Exactly. You know, it's not controlled. And that's why we have this sort of parkour, right? I mean, this year... For this that year was amazing racing. It was sick. You know, it Julian was. Alaphilippe just riding out of his skin made it super serious, uh, super exciting. And what happened? Ineos went one and two anyway. You know, and that didn't that didn't yeah. just happen by by chance, right? So they they've got it not only on the bike but off the bike and and off higher the up in the in the organization. And I, you know, you got to take your hat off to to that. But Ken Jumbo Visma combat that with with what they have we'll have to wait and see absolutely and let's just uh i guess we should probably like who who are we looking at to be the main guys obviously it's a long way out but dumoulin obviously rogelik obviously Froome maybe not um thomas obviously bernal obviously what about the outsiders like pino we saw pino was in a position to maybe win the tour de france this year, um, had it gone all right, but he's been up and down in the past. Bardet was off. The, you know, Quintana was off. Yeah, I mean, come on. I, we can't even speculate on this, but mm. I'll go back to one of the names that stands out to me as a, as a big question mark, and I'd love to see him on the start line, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's not, and that's Demolin. You know, he, he, yeah. can, he can win the Giro, and I think a lot of these guys are waiting until the Giro parkour comes out, and then peak again yeah. for the Olympics. And, you know, I, 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 it's it's very special memory of mine. Like the Olympics is, is, is a very big deal. Yep. And, of course, you know, winning the Tour de France is. But a guy like, like Demolin, you know, focusing on, on the time trial and trying to beat uh, reigning world champion Rohan Dennis, you know, can he do that if he's trying to go for the, the podium or the overall victory in, in the Tour de France? I don't know. But, 
you know, as far as the overall contenders and pretenders and outsiders, man, I mean, that's just pure speculation, but it's going to be the usual suspects. It's going to be the guy that, you know, keeps his head on a swivel from day one, has amazing team support and has a heck of a lot of good luck because, you know, this, this, this race, as we saw with, with Pinot this year can change in a, in an instant. And that's why I would, I wouldn't even put Pinot right now as one of my top three favorites because we saw how demanding the race was in 2019. Yeah. And he was very explosive, super exciting, and then did something. We don't know if he hit his hand, uh, his knee on the handlebar or what happened. But, you know, his resiliency is questionable. And I believe that you're going to have to be a super resilient rider to win this Tour de France because there's no way you're going to take it from wire to wire. That's it, right? I think that's the big takeaway is that uh, it's going to go from wire to wire. And, you know, if you can stay out of trouble and, uh, and just not lose time, I think that's that's what we'll see is is whoever just doesn't lose time might find themselves on on top or uh, near the top at the end. I think uh, I think that's it. I think we've covered it, Bobby. Is there anything else that you want to kind of touch on about the Tour de France 2020 route that uh, that you haven't had a chance to? Not really, but I think we should go on the record, you know, this far out and give our yep. overall pick. So okay. why don't you yep. go ahead? And tell me who you think will win the Tour de France in 2020. Okay, after after what you just said, like uh, uh, with Pino and 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 his um, I guess resilience being you know questioned last year and then the year before in in well sorry at the last Tour de France and then and then last year at the at the Giro as well. But I'm a romantic, uh, and so I'm going to pick Pino. I uh, I love the way he rides. I I have faith. That he will be uh, the first French champion in however many 34, years now. 34, 35 and years, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Pinot. Aren't you the nice guy? Aren't you the nice guy? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you well, I, I believe that the winner is going to come off of one of two teams, and that's Ineos and Jumbo Visma. Yeah. And just seeing the re- resiliency the ability to react to every situation, to never panic, and to have a strong team around him. As much as I want to see Chris Froome win his record-tying fifth Tour de France title, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with Bernal. This kid this yeah. kid just hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's able to do. And now with the confidence that he has... Um, when you see a guy take the yellow jersey and start crying during the interview, yeah, uh, he wants that back. He wants that feeling again. And um, you know, I I love Chris Froome as much as anybody, maybe even more. But coming back from what he's come back from or has to come back from is going to be very, a big very, ask. very big ask. But um, yeah, so there we are, etched in stone. Who's going to win the 2020 Tour de France? That's great. And uh, we will, uh, I guess, hold ourselves to that in, what, nine months' time? Um, But until then, Bobby, we will be back uh, sporadically with some more episodes of Put Your Socks On. Um, Now, as we're moving into the off-season, we'll be doing some kind of more pointed shows at different aspects of the sport and, and with different people that we find interesting from within the sport. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, if this is the first time you're listening, please subscribe 
to the podcast. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you just search Put Your Socks On, we're on there. Um, go back. We've got heaps of episodes. Have a listen over on Velo News Voices as well. Have a listen. Um, if you want to reach out to us, send us an email. Give us your thoughts on what you think of the Tour de France route. Give us your thoughts on what you think about the current state of cycling. Anything, any questions you have, superfan at velonews.com is the email address that you can reach uh, Bobby or myself at. Um, also get at us on Instagram, social media. Um, for Bobby, it's at Bobby Zulik. Uh On Instagram, and for myself, it's at that is Gus. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much. Thank you, Gus, and thank you for, for toughing it out after being a little crook here. And yeah, just to throw out a little bit to the, to the fans, we have our ideas of what mm. we want to talk about. And we have some run sheets and we've sketched out some stuff. But if there are any issues or topics that you guys are interested mm. in, knowing that that Gus and I, you know, we're great mates, but you know, we're we're totally different ends of the spectrum. If you go back and listen to how we we uh describe our, our perfect tour de France, send us your ideas. Let's let's um yeah. you know listen to you guys because it's a long off season and there's plenty to talk about you know, gravel races and cycle crosses coming up and grand fondos, just throw it, throw it out there to us. Um, that would be great to hear from you guys. So thanks again for listening. We'll get back to you, um, sporadically, like, like Gus said, and the most important thing is don't forget to put your socks on. Nice. Prediction, yeah, from the days of old. Prediction, yeah, from way back when the years just and years just and.